Lucas through his chair. Clear across the free throw lane. What is up, guys? You're listening to Back Row Sports, episode 45. I'm your host, Wes Medeiros, and y'all, we have a lot to get into today. So let's go ahead and let's get it started. As you already know, Gus Malzahn has been on the hot seat at Auburn since he took over in 2013. Well, he is out. The Gus bus is wrecked, flat tire, done, is out of... He got fired. I'll put his he got fired. After going 68-35 as a head coach at Auburn and going two and five in bowl games. Horrible record in the bowl games. Horrible record. And didn't look good either against SEC opponents either. He had a great record against Nick Saban. And that was about it. When he played Georgia, couldn't do anything against him, but was able to beat Nick Saban, which is why I feel like he had a job as long as he did, was because he was able to beat Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide. Kevin Seal, the defensive coordinator, is the interim head coach. He is also the leading candidate for the new hire at Auburn, who has a eight-team selection committee to hire a new coach. Um, Kevin Steele is the leading candidate. There is a bunch of Auburn fans on Twitter getting hashtags going for him, getting everything started as a campaign to get him as the next coach. They were able to pay Gus $21.45 million to get him out of Auburn. That's ridiculous. I would – let me go coach for about a couple of years to get $21 million for no, and to get fired. Like, that's easy money. Good for Gus. He was able to do that and able to get that money. Not even mad. Not even mad. But the big question mark after this is – Will Bo Nix be the starter next season, seeing how they got rid of Gus, and Gus was the only reason I feel like Bo was a starting quarterback at Auburn was because of Gus and what Patrick Nix. I feel like either Patrick Nix or, or Bo Nix had some dirt on Gus Malzahn and were just to keep him as a starting quarterback because he, in my eyes and a lot of Auburn fans' eyes, didn't earn and keep what be able to keep that position. So there you go. I'll put it that way. Bo Nix, I don't think will be the starter next year, especially with a highly touted recruit they have coming in, um, nicknamed Thick Marshall, coming in at dual threat quarterback coming in. And I think he's going to do some big things at Auburn next season. And Bo Nix will lose the starting position. He might start the first game, but that's it. I, I get Bo starting the first game, and, and that's it. So moving on, some big news broke earlier this week, too. The Supreme Court is taking the NCAA's hearing about the antitrust case. For those of you that don't know, this case started back in March of 2014 for the NCAA to drop their amateurism um, title that they have, which is keeping athletes from, not, from um, being paid. This is a big move and a big step forward in the uh, student athletes getting paid and it looks good. Hopefully, it can it can get passed and students athletes can make a little bit of money, man, because they're not allowed to work outside of school. They're not allowed to do anything to have that extra income coming in. So 
hopefully the NCAA and the Supreme Court can come to a ruling and actually um, rule in favor of the student-athletes. Like I said, this case has been going through the court system since 2014. It's a big deal, and hopefully it can keep going, not just for football players, but you have baseball players, gymnasts, swimmers, everything up and down the student-athlete board to hopefully get athletes paid and get athletes some money to help financial financially stable themselves throughout college to where they're not having to rely so much on the school. Um, the AAC commissioner came out, Michael Orozco came out, and he wants to bring the BCS back. He's saying that the playoff is stacked up against a group of five teams. And if you looked at it here recently, it's you can't blame the guy. You have UCF going undefeated um, a couple years ago, claiming a national championship, and they should have been in. They should have been in. You have Cincinnati this year, who's another team that is going undefeated right now, that should be looked at more for the playoffs. You have Coastal Carolina, another team who should be into the playoffs as well. Um, if anything, don't bring the BCS back. Didn't agree with that system. Um, 2007, Georgia got robbed and should have made it to the national championship 2007. So I hate the BCS. I hate their computers. I hate everything that they stand for. Um, the bullcrap series, as a lot of people would call it. But no, they need to ex ex expand the playoffs, at least to 16. Um, and since the playoffs started, no, no two-loss team has ever made the playoffs. And Cincinnati is now below three two-loss teams in Georgia, Florida, and Iowa State. I, I don't see where this going. Iowa State or not? Yeah, Iowa State jumped up. Cincinnati dropped, and even Florida. Florida dropped one loss after this loss against LSU that we are going to get into later. Um, but yeah, no. A group of five teams definitely deserve a spot, uh, even if it's a six-team playoff. Even put an 18. You don't have to do 16. Do an 18 playoff. Give that group of five champion a shot. Why not? What, what are you going to lose from it? If anything, you'll gain more money and more revenue for the NCAA. So I don't see a problem with it. I don't see why not add them. But it's not my say. So we'll we'll see. Early signing day started yesterday. Um, it goes until Friday. It goes until tomorrow. Some big names have signed. Some big names I'm still holding out until later on on actual signing day. But some big names flipped. Some big names signed. And so let's let's get into that. Dijon Nugget Warren, the number one JUCO prospect. Sorry, number two JUCO prospect. Number one cornerback out of Lackawanna College in PA was originally verbally committed to Georgia. Um, Deion Sanders was able to flip him from Georgia and bring him to. Jacksonville State, no, not Jacksonville State, I'm sorry, Jackson State, um, HBCU, that is the a big move. Everybody at Georgia was so excited when, when DeJon verbally committed, that everyone was so hyped to have him come in. Like I said, the number two JUCO prospect, the number one cornerback out of JUCO, and Deion Sanders' primetime was able to flip him to Jackson State. Um, him choosing an FCS school over Georgia, um, gives him an opportunity to play right away. Georgia had a tough recruiting class this 
yesterday. They have some great names signed. Um, and so him swapping from Georgia to Jackson State is a huge pickup for Dion and for him to start immediately and to get some playing time. Primetime has the best recruiting class out of any HBCU ever. Dion has proven himself to be a elite recruiter. Um, maybe that's just his name. People want to come in and play for Dion, but to get that kid to flip from Georgia to um, an FCS school and HBCU is a huge deal for um, Dion and that team down there in Jackson. So, like I said, recruiting started yesterday. Early signing day started yesterday. So we'll go through the top five and who I think their best signees are. And so number one, you have number you have Alabama. Their best sign was Dallas Turner, the number one weak defensive end. A great pickup for them. A great pickup for a defense who's just reloading. They don't rebuild. They just reload. And to get him on that defense again and for that Nick Saban team is, is a huge pickup. Number two, you have Ohio State. They signed the number three defense or strong defensive end in Jack Turner. Another good pickup for Ryan Day and that Ohio State team who is climbing up the boards. Um, early signing day, like I said, ends Friday. So they even have a better chance to get, jump in that number one class. LSU surprisingly comes in at number three. I don't know if the Florida game had something to do with it, seeing that this team doesn't quit. Um, they signed the number three ranked player in the nation in uh, Mason Smith. Great pickup for him. He is a safety. Uh, DBU, as LSU likes to be called. A huge pickup for Coach O in that Bayou Bengals team down in, um, down in Louisiana. Number four, you have Georgia – who signed the number one outside linebacker, Xavion Sori from IMG down in Florida. Huge pickup for him for curbing that team. The barber, if y'all have seen the video, Georgia found their barber and glad to see what he's going to be able to do next season in that Kirby Smart defense. And number five, you have Clemson, who signed the number one all-purpose back, Will um, Shipley. Huge pickup for um, that team, for Dabo, for that offense, who... It's in and out amazing. Every every year they pick up a good offense, and that's another team that just reloads. They don't rebuild, they reload. So excited to see what he's going to be able to do down in Clemson and Davos Sweeney. But the rankings came out Tuesday, and it, it's getting weird. It's getting crazy down in the rankings, man. I'm glad I'm not on committee. Um, so let's get into that. Number one, you have Alabama. Doesn't surprise anybody. Number two, you have Notre Dame. Once again, not surprising, but those two teams have been one and two since the initial rankings, and that's not going to change. Number three, you have Clemson. Once again, they're steamrolling everybody in the ACC except Notre Dame, who they will face in the ACC championship game, but we will get into that later on in the episode. Number four, this is where it gets fishy and where it gets odd. You have Ohio State. Why is Ohio State still four? If you listened last week to the episode, you've heard my rant about Ohio State. You hear my rant every week about Ohio State. They should not be four. If there's any kind of bias, it's not towards the SEC. It is towards Ohio State. A couple players in Ohio State fans have come out and said that the committee is showing favoritism and bias towards the SEC because of where Florida is now ranked after the LSU game. But we'll get into that more once I get through the rankings. Number five, you have Texas A&M, who I deserve 
should have that fourth spot. Number six, Iowa State jumped up, man. Jumped ahead of everybody. So good to see them coming in at number six. Number seven, this is what pisses me off. Number seven is Florida. Florida dropped one spot after this LSU game this week. If y'all watched the game, they didn't look like the number seven team. Kyle Trash didn't look like a Heisman winner. So I'll get into that later on in the episode when I cover this game. Number eight, you have Florida. Number nine, you have Cincinnati. Number 10, you have Miami. Those are your top 10 in the college football rankings. Um, as y'all can tell as I was going through this, I don't agree with it at all. Texas A&M deserves that five spot, or not five spot, I'm sorry, that four spot over Ohio State. There's no way Ohio State has proven to be the number four best team in the nation when they've played one team with a winning record and beat them by seven in Indiana, who should be in the Big Ten championship game. But that's a rant for last week. So let's get into the games last week. LSU and Florida, known as the shoe game. The shoe game. For those of y'all that don't know, Marco Wilson for Florida stopped LSU on third down. LSU was driving on the field, stopped him on third down, was going to have to punt it. Cool. Good for you. Takes the dude's shoe and throws it 20 yards downfield, which gives LSU a 15-yard penalty personal foul and continues the drive for LSU to drive down and ultimately win the game. Cade York kicked a 57-yard field goal with 23 seconds left. Yeah, I said 57-yard field goal with 23 seconds left to take the lead against Florida. So you think, oh, shit, Kyle Trasking that Florida offense has 23 seconds to drive down the field. It's going to get interesting. Evan McPherson, the Florida kicker, who's damn near perfect this season, is automatic, missed a 51-yard field goal to send it into overtime. If you watch this game, the fog was ridiculous. Couldn't see anything, but for Cade York to kick a 57-yard field goal with the light, but they have bright-ass lights behind the, the uprights, which in the fog, couldn't see the uprights. They turned the lights off pretty much for Evan McPherson to kick the 51-yarder, and he still missed it. But Dan Mullen, after the game, um, pretty much said, that he didn't know throwing a shoe was a 15-yard penalty. Come on, man. Come on, Dan. You can't. That is pretty much saying I encourage this kind of this kind of atmosphere around my team. I encourage guys that like freaking retards and throw a shoe when they get too high, quote-unquote. But no. And when Dan Mullen was asked if a two-loss floor team will make the playoffs, after the game and what he thought about the game, his comments, and I quote, I don't have a vote on that, on if Florida makes the playoffs. He said, I'm not in the room. I know we've played 10 games, so I guess probably the best thing to do would have been play less games because you seem to be rewarded this this year for not playing this year in college football. Yo, Dan Mullen came at Ohio State, came at the Big Ten. For those of y'all that know, Ohio State's only played five games this season. Five games. And they're in the Big Ten Championship. The Big Ten had a rule where you had to play six. They swiped that away so Ohio State can get in so they could have a playoff chance. The SEC should still have two teams in the playoffs. Just throwing that out there. 
But yeah, Dan Mullen, you pretty much just encourage this kind of atmosphere at your team by comments like that. So I don't know what you're wanting. I don't know what you're trying to do down in Gainesville, but it's, it's not looking good. America's game, Army and Navy. For those of y'all that watch it, which should have been everybody because it's one of the best games ever, Army won 15 to nothing. Wasn't too exciting, but it's always a fun game to watch. Army's uniforms were sick. They were clean. Looked phenomenal. The Army defense scored more points than Navy. Army ended up getting a safety towards, like, I'd say midway through the game. Got a safety, so they outscored the Navy defense by two. Crazy. Crazy. And if Army beats Air Force this week, which they will, they will win the Commanders-in-Chief trophy. So let's get into the championship games. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot a game. USC-UCLA was a great game. The Battle of LA. USC came out on top 43-38. UCLA was leading 35-23 with a minute left in the third quarter. And USC wiped them out. Killed it. All right, but now let's get into the championship games. The Pac-12 championship, which is played Friday, tomorrow. If you're listening to this, you're probably going to be listening to it after the games, or you're going to be listening to it on Friday. So let's go. USC 5-0 against a 3-2 Oregon team. Oregon was not supposed to play in the Pac-12 championship, but with pro- COVID protocols in Washington, in the Washington Program They were unable to make the Pac-12 championship, defaulting Oregon 3-2 into the Pac-12 championship. At the beginning when the Pac-12 started, I picked Oregon to win the Pac-12. Um, I also had them going undefeated. I was way wrong on that. But I had them winning the Pac-12, so I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to stick with it, and I still got Oregon winning the Pac-12. I got them beating USC. Oregon has won 10 out of the last 11 against USC. They have owned the Trojans, and I don't I don't see it changing this Oregon team. It's good. They're, they're good. They've lost some tough ones, but they are a good team. Oregon has 43 Letterman players returning from last year, which that team last year won the Pac-12, so they know what to expect. And you got USC coming in who hasn't won since 2017. Yeah, they're going to be hungry. But I don't see anything changing from the history. History proves itself, and it's not going to change. The Pac-12 North, once again, Oregon, has won nine of the 12 Pac-12 championships, and 10 out of 13. Oregon wins. Oregon beats USC and continues the streak. They win 11 out of 12 against USC. The Big Ten Championship. Jason, if you're still watching, this is for you. Um, I got Ohio State winning it. Ohio State is 5-0 against a 6-1 Northwestern team. Um, like I said earlier in the episode, and I said last week, Ohio State does not deserve to be in the in the Big Ten Championship. Booger from there. Ohio State is seeking their third straight outright Big Ten title. Um, I guess you can share Big Ten titles in the Big Ten. I don't know. Ohio State only has only played one game since November 21st. So will there be a little bit of rust? This Northwestern team is good. They're not a bad team. They are a good team. I wouldn't say great. They are a good team, and they're going to give Ohio State trouble. And we'll, we'll see from there. I have Ohio State winning, but it's not going to be a blowout. 
Ohio State favored by like 20, I think, 20 and a half. I don't see it them winning by that much. Um, Northwestern is seeking their first outright title since 1995. Some more crazy stuff coming out of Northwestern. They're only allowing 14.6 points per game, including 4.1 in the second half. This Northwestern team, 6-1, allowing 14 points a game and including four points in the second half. It's crazy. This Northwestern team is a good team, but I still have Ohio State winning. I don't have them covering the 20-and-a-half. It's going to be closer than the experts think, but Ohio State still wins it, and unfortunately they get into the college football playoff. The Big Ten Championship, this one's going to be fun. This is going to be a fun game. 7-2 Oklahoma against 8-2 Iowa State. Iowa State already beat Oklahoma earlier this season. Um, I love what Brock Purdy's doing down at Iowa State. I love what's going on in Ames, Iowa. Hopefully they can keep it going. This is Iowa State's first title game. Their first title game appearance. So they're hungry. They're they're ready to go. Well, you have Oklahoma who's seeking their sixth straight Big Ten title. That's just crazy. Ridiculous numbers. I, I don't see Iowa State beating them. I have Oklahoma winning. Like I, but like I said, Iowa State's first game. Um, I, Oklahoma, since Iowa State beat them on October third, they are on a six-game win streak, and I think it can, can, continues to go. And Spencer Rattler and Lincoln Riley bring Oklahoma a Big Twelve championship again, but the Big Twelve is left out of the national playoffs. SEC championship game. You got Alabama ten and zero. First, a 7-2 Florida team who is coming off a horrible, ridiculous loss against a 3-5, well, now 4-5 LSU team. Uh, Kyle Trask, in my opinion, lost his Heisman. It was his for the take. It all he had to do was have a phenomenal game in the the SEC Championship game and against LSU and threw that out the window when he had two picks against LSU, one pick six, and just couldn't lead his team to victory against a 3-5 and five at the time LSU team. Bama has won every game by at least 15 points. That's an average margin of victory of 32.7. Damn near 33 points a game is their average margin of victory. That is ridiculous. No two-loss team, like I mentioned before, has made the playoffs. And Florida is a two-loss team. And I don't see them coming out and beating Alabama, especially with that offense and no one's stopping Devontae Smith. No one's stopping Najee Harris. No one's stopping Mechie. Alabama rolls to 11-0 and rolls into the college football playoffs, and Alabama wins the national championship. I'm going to go ahead and say that. Now Alabama is going to win the national championship. Dan Mullen loves to stick his foot in his mouth. Y'all heard earlier in the episode his comments about um, the LSU game, but guys, he came out and said when he was asked about if a two-loss Florida team could make the playoffs, his exact words, and I quote, we will think about that Saturday when we win. Dan Mullen is a clown. He had the comments about Marcus Wilson or Marco Wilson didn't know throwing a shoe with a penalty, had the comments of let's pack the swamp during a COVID protocol, had the comments of 
We'll see after we win. Guys, Dan Mullen is a clown. I don't know what he's doing down in Gainesville. Yeah, they won the SEC East. Cool. Uh, the first time since 2016, a different team other than Georgia is representing the East. So we'll see. But he, he shot himself in the foot. He lost his team in the SEC Championship game because Alabama is going to come out and, and shut him out and shut him down. So, yeah, Dan Mullen, you just ruined your team, and you're not making the playoffs. The ACC Championship game, though, which I think will be the best game of the weekend, I think will be the best championship game. You have 9-1 Clemson against 10-0 Notre Dame. And, yes, it's hard to beat a team twice, but we'll see what my picks are in a bit. Clemson seeking their sixth straight ACC title. Crazy. Crazy to think that. Six straight. You have Oklahoma seeking their six straight Big Ten. You have ACC seeking Clemson seeking their six straight ACC. You got the Big Ten seeking their third, fourth straight same team winning the championship. It's crazy. You have the ACC who every year you have a different team winning it. So obviously you know who the best conference is. Just by that little stat right there, the SEC – by far, and none is the premier conference, and they prove it every year in and year out by getting different teams into the playoffs, not just the same teams, and actually having those teams make the national championship game. Ohio State has won one semifinal game. There's one Oklahoma has not won a semifinal game. Notre Dame has not won a semifinal game, but the SEC seems to win their semifinal games, and make it to the national championship. The only conference to have two teams in the playoffs and have both those teams make the national championship game and have a great game to go in overtime. But let me get back into the ACC championship game. I will get off my rant. Travis Etienne, the last time Notre Dame and Clemson met, only had 28 yards. Guy came in, was a Heisman candidate, one of the Heisman favorites. He's only had 200-yard rushing games this year and only had 28 yards against Notre Dame. Ian Book, the winningest uh, QB in Notre Dame history, is he's going to lead this team. Travis E.T. or not Travis E.T. I'm sorry. Ian Book is going to lead Notre Dame against a Clemson defense that he's already faced and has already beat. So I got Ian Book winning. Ian Book and Notre Dame beat Clemson, not Clemson out of the playoffs, which A&M will jump in. My final four is Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Texas A&M, which I think A&M will jump Ohio State and go up to three, just so we don't see that Bama A&M rematch. <clears throat> but yeah, this is Notre Dame's first title game ever. They've for 131 years they have been independent. It's crazy to think about that. Ohio State or not Ohio State? I'm sorry. Notre Dame, one of the blue bloods, one of the prestigious teams in all of college football, is playing their first title game ever. So, y'all heard it. My playoffs. Y'all, y'all know who I'm getting. I picked a win. I'll have the picks on after I get done. I will post the picks. So let's get into some um, to some college basketball. There's not really a lot going on in college basketball here lately. Every transfer, though, this is crazy. Every transfer that transferred this year has been ruled eligible. 
The NCAA came out and said, yeah, if you've transferred, you're eligible. So what if a player transfers in the second half of the season? Are they still eligible? Because the NCAA came out and said, if you transferred, you're eligible. So that, that's something crazy that I'm excited to see. Which transferred, y'all know my boy. If y'all know me, Alex O'Connell, one of my favorite Duke players, transferred to Creighton. He is eligible to play. He had his debut actually going on right now. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see what he does down in Creighton. But yeah, every transfer is eligible to play in basketball this year. So it's it's going to be a crazy season. I'm excited to see what the 2020 college basketball season holds. But guys, if you're watching the live stream, thank y'all for watching. If you're in the group, which I'll say if you're on the live stream, you're in the group. Thank y'all for joining the group. Thank y'all for helping me grow, helping this podcast grow. Stop whatever you're doing. Scroll down to the bottom of the screen. Left, right, up, down, wherever you scroll. Leave a comment. Leave a five-star review. Let me know what y'all think. And guys, let's let's get this thing going. Let's get it out there. I appreciate everything y'all are doing. Here's your next week. See ya.